Hey there folks, Ian here. Um, just before we get started, uh, first off, I want to apologise. Mark and I actually, um, well, it's uh, Sunday the 30th of March as I record this. Uh, we actually recorded the show on Sunday the 23rd of March, but um, uh, it was my turn to do the, uh, the editing this week, and we've just, uh, frankly, I've just had quite a bit on. Uh, the computer hasn't been available because we've been doing some work in the room that the computer was in and then when it did get available the internet connection was dodgy in there because of the work we were doing in there so um, anyway apologies but um, so we, we say in this show that you know you, you've had a show and you're going to have a show drop like four or five day, days later sorry it's a full week um, but also we're actually not doing a show this week as I record because uh, Mark was at the uh, the sci-fi, the SFX sci-fi weekend, uh, the um, annual thing that um, we have been going to for the last couple of years. I just dropped out this year because money and the baby and whatnot. So um, anyway, uh, so yes, um, show this week instead of last week essentially, um, but then you'll be getting another show the week after. So uh, next week. I'd imagine we're going to be doing Darren Aronofsky's Noah, and uh, we're definitely going to be doing the next part of the uh, When Ian and Mark Met Rob Marathon with North. Um, but yeah, otherwise, on with the show. Uh, as far as I recall, it was a good one this week, so enjoy. You know, I've never met anyone like you in Washington before. Yes, I've been here all my life. Really? And uh, where have you been all my life? Gardner, have you ever had sex with a man? No, I don't think so. Welcome to episode 59 of Dude and a Monkey. Uh, I'm steering the ship this week and my name's Ian Loring and as always I am joined by... Mark Foster. Hello everybody. Hello, hello. Uh, Methinks it's going to be a good one today. Um, So, main review is Jonathan Glazer's hotly anticipated um, sci-fi art house 
uh, What the Fuck, which is Under the Skin. Uh, we're also going to do some One Old, uh, One New. The latest part of When Ian and Mark Met Rob, as we take on um, A Few Good Men, uh, the Tom Cruise, Jack Nicholson, lots of other people starring uh, kind of thriller, conspiracy thriller drama thing. And... Um, we might do some trailers, even though I'm actually finding it hard to think of any trailers off the top of my head. But um, uh, even though we, we recorded on Wednesday, was it that we recorded, I think? Wednesday we recorded, yeah. So um, it was only four days ago. So, um, yeah. But uh, even though I think we're kind of going to be back to a more usual kind of schedule now, hopefully. Uh, but, yeah, uh, monkey at gmail.com, at Ian Loring, at DudeFoss, at Dude and a monkey. Uh Mark, anything else? I'm, am I forgetting anything? Uh, no, no, there's not nothing else. Uh, I, I'm the same, to be honest. I've seen uh, absolutely zero trailers uh, since we, we last recorded. Uh, a, a combination of a hectic few days at work um, and then uh, my uh, purchasing of a PS4 has kind of caused me to have very sort of little impact. It was lucky I'd seen Under the Skin uh, previous to uh, recording uh, because I watched all of the rest of my films <laughs> today, this morning. Wow, shit, it's off. Yeah, I, I got up at, I got up at uh, seven, well, no, I, I, I had two and a half films to watch. I've watched half of one of them. So I got up at seven this morning, which I was, I was quite happy to do. I like I like getting up early and watching a film on a Sunday. Nice, nice. Yeah, I mean, the PlayStation 4 has kind of been slightly taking over my life lately as well. I mean, even though before that, I got the South Park Stick of Truth game and I, I finished it in a weekend. And it's not the shortest game in the world either. So um, that was intense. Um, not as intense as when I completed Bioshock Infinite in less than 48 hours. But, uh, <laughs> but uh, yeah, that was uh, quite something. And now with the PlayStation 4, I've been kind of like trying to hammer through Lego Marvel superheroes, um, which is great fun. Uh, so, yeah, but uh, I don't know. I've just found it. I'll be honest, my one old I watched on the day that we recorded the last show. I watched it on the Wednesday. But I yeah. think it just about qualifies. Well, I, I watched half of my uh, one old on the... Uh, yeah, my one old on the um, day before we recorded, but I watched the other half of it after that. Mm-hmm. So I'm counting it. So our criteria is getting slightly just on the <laughs> cusp of okay, I think. But um, Yeah, just that one. Yeah. So, <laughs> if, if it's any consolation to, 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 to those, um, those with slight OCD uh, tendencies, I did watch more of it after. <laughs> yeah, I mean, that's the thing. It's like I finished my one old before we started recording however i don't know it's the fact that we recorded so late in the week this week that kind of made that happen yeah and also what i will say is is you'll have probably got this show maybe three four days after the previous show um so you'll be getting effectively two shows within a seven day period released but that's that's just to get us kind of back on track. Yeah, absolutely. And um, so let's have a clip from Under the Skin and uh, we'll get into it. And I will say, uh, long time listeners will know, but if you've only listened to a few shows, spoilers throughout our reviews and for Under the Skin, I, you know, I, it's, it's worth going in as cold as possible. Yeah, certainly. No girlfriend, really. Oh, I don't have a girlfriend at all. Very charming. It's better. 
Under the Skin is directed by Jonathan, uh, Jonathan Glazer and Scars, uh, Stars, sorry, Scarlett Johansson and a bunch of Glaswegians, some of them professional actors, some of them not. Uh, and it is the story of a nameless alien played by Scarlett Johansson who comes to Earth in search of single unattached men uh, for some sort of nefarious purpose. She takes them back to her um, dingy, dingy, dingy looking place and... Uh, does weird things with them in a black void. Uh, through the film, though, she seems to start feeling things uh, of various kinds, and uh, we see how that affects her job, basically. So, Under the Skin, um, very, very hotly anticipated by both of us, I think it's fair to say. Um, it thankfully managed to um, actually get an expanded release after an initial release on about 25 screens in its first weekend. So it actually came out last week, but um, it wasn't playing anywhere in Wales by the looks of it last week, but it, was, it, it expanded to the Cardiff Cinema World while I was able to see it. Mark has, had actually seen it the week before. So, um, but yeah, let's, let's get into it. Mark, what did you think of Under the Skin? Well, it's one of those things that you say, I watched this uh, over a week ago now, and often when you review um, a film and you talk about film, once you've got, once you've watched a few kind of more films since it, and there's been a sort of certain passage of time, you shot over a week's period, you know, that's when you sort of start, you know, you start having, you're finding yourself going over bits that you liked, but it's it's hard to recall it, especially really the film you've seen just the once. Uh, and I'm not having that at all with Under the Skin. I can still remember the vast majority of it quite um, vividly because it is such a, a striking film to watch and to to experience. Um, it's it is um, absolutely uh, a director who has taken uh, a screenplay, has taken well, has taken a, a book and then taken the screenplay and has created. Uh, a story that is a very singular vision. It is his, what he sees, he has put on screen. Um, and whether or not people, whether or not it makes absolute sense to, whether it makes absolute narrative sense to, um, visually or not, that's how, um, Jonathan Glazer has seen it. And there's no compromise into that. And when you have that with a director or with any kind of film, um, you often you can either you either grab people uh, and then people are taken on board with it, or people it doesn't grab people and they don't kind of get on board with it. And I think I compared it and said it, it, it's it's very much going to be like this year's Only God Forgives, where either it's gonna you're either going to be along with it and it's gonna it's gonna grab you and you're gonna enjoy the visuals and take a lot from that. 
or it's going to fail to grab you and it's just not going to have that same effect on you. I think if it does grab you, it is an incredibly beautiful and powerful sort of film to watch that is is more than just looking for it as a, a, a very great kind of eerie atmosphere that then becomes something else as it goes along. Yeah, I mean, I, um, I'll say I was quite surprised how coherent I actually found it narratively. Um, mm. I mean, the the visuals are like incredibly fucking surreal in spots, like like wonderfully so. Um, but I thought the general through line of what was going on, I thought was again actually surprisingly um, like linear and easy to follow. I mean, yeah, I mean, there's, there's, sorry, there's, there's, a, there's certainly a, a very, like I say, a very set out story model there. It, it is, it is more than just the visuals that are there. Certainly. Yeah, I mean, it's it just it's um, I don't know. It, it, it is the the visuals and also kind of the way they filmed it, which is getting people talking. And I mean, I, I certainly think those are probably more noteworthy aspects than, than the, the the story itself. Um uh even though like I, I to be honest, I think this is visual storytelling. Like like you mentioned Donny God forgives earlier on, it's it, like the bare bones narrative is fairly simple, but it's the way it's constructed on screen and also in the audio. I mean the 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 the, the, the sound design and the music here is key. Um that it, 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 it's that that makes it. I mean, I came out of it slightly. I knew I really liked it, but how much I really liked it, I wasn't too sure. And I'm kind of still wondering myself, to be honest. I, I, I and hopefully this review is going to kind of clear it up for me a bit, a bit in this discussion. Um, it's. I mean, I, I, I will say first off. There are bits of this film that I could have watched on a loop for a hundred minutes and would have been completely satisfied. Um, it's a bit like I probably could have watched the opening three or four minutes on a loop for a hundred minutes and have been fine with it. Um, I mean, the mm. opening is extraordinary. Yeah. Uh, I, I, I mean, like this weird kind of like, what is it, like an intergalactic journey and then it's like the creation of an eye and you've got what kind of seems like Scarlett Johansson's character kind of learning language sound by sound or something. At least that's the interpretation that I got from it. Where yeah, it, it's, 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 yeah, it's similar to what I got to it, yeah. yeah. Yeah, like the way it's just kind of first off, it's just like... And it kind of it gets longer and it gets more fully formed and what I mean, I, I did wonderful, wonderful, wonderful stuff. Um, and I mean, I, I thought the ending was extraordinary as well. I mean, from the visual effects point of view, as much as anything else, I mean, it it, it, it would like wow, you know, and, and just that the, the 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 kind of the design of it, you know, like the the reveal of what is under the skin. I mean, it, hmm. it's it's quite simple. And I suppose in a way it's kind of a basic idea. It's the form, it's basically the form of a person, but all in black and bold. But it's, Mm. as a visual... It's incredibly effective. It's, it's, yeah. I mean, as a visual, it is utterly enthralling. I mean, I mean, just the, uh, like the, the holding the Scarlett Johansson head and whatnot. It just, it's, it's great. And I also found it it, really quite upsetting. Uh, just like the, the idea of like man's reaction to anything that is different. I mean, like, yeah. I mean, he tries to rape her, then he finds out that 
she's something different. And then what's his immediate reaction? I'm going to set fire to her. Yeah, yeah. yeah. I run away and then I'm going to set fire to it. Yeah, I mean it's 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 kind of a microcosm of the like of the human experience when meeting things you don't understand. You know, it, it's to to back off and then attack. You know, and um, I, I I I don't. It's just I mean it's what Scarlett Johansson's character is doing to these men in these really. I mean that that one sequence where you kind of see what they're actually sinking into is horrific. So, I mean, she's not doing any better, but then again, she's kind of learning to not do that as the film goes on, you know. And I mean, it's, it's also quite transfixing, though, the, 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 the like you said, the, 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 the void, the abyss kind of thing. Yeah. It's, it's those scenes, um, I, there are, there are more than one of them, there's three or four of them. And, you know, there could have been another five or six and you still wouldn't have got bored of them because, they are, they are in a way kind of quite seductive and hypnotic in the way that they drag you into it and you do find, you know, that you are being pulled along with the whole kind of thing. It's an incredibly well staged and managed from a directorial and uh, a cinematography point of view as well as an acting point of view. Mm. Oh, absolutely. Even though, I mean, I, I will say a slight tangent. Um, I, I I didn't go with, but it just so happened that um, a, a, a mate of mine from work and his girlfriend were there, and they just kind of sat by me. And we went out at the end, and he was saying, you know, I need, I I think I'm going to go and see that again in the week because there were these two guys sitting behind me that, like, this is what he was saying that whenever those sequences were happening, they were just like, fuck's sake, this again, what's this got to do with anything? Blah, blah, blah. And like, he just yeah. said it flat out ruined it for him. And like, thankfully I didn't hear him, but um, and apparently he asked them to shut up a couple of times and they just completely ignored him. So, you know, well done then. But it just, it, it is, it, it, I mean, it is just stuff that you don't see every day. And I suppose in a way, if all you know of this going in is Scarlett Johansson's an alien who seduces guys and kills them, then maybe your reaction would be to that if you're not very open-minded about this kind of thing. But, it, I mean, just from a pure cinema point of view, it's 100% effective. And, I mean, that and a few other moments in the film unnerved me more than any film I can recall in recent history. Yeah. Especially for the length of time that it did that. I was weirded out for the vast majority of this film. And the only time that spell was kind of broken was in the third act where I, I kind of felt the Scarlett Johansson walking down the hill and the guy saying there's a bus coming and then like her on the bus and whatnot. It just, I could see what they were going for that she was kind of like just going through mundane human experiences that somehow made her more human. But, it, and like watching Tommy Cooper and that stuff, I could see what they were going for, but it took, it slightly broke me out of its spell. Out of yeah, it it, it does it does to an extent. I think I think there, it, it's not a bad point of it, but it is, it, it's a definite, um, it's a definite turning of the card. It's it, it's flipping the film round and saying right, this is the second act structure. You've had that first act. This is what's going to be you know going for the rest of it and then going forward. This is the You've had the alien aspect of it, and now she's sort of, you know, like you said, the, 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 that trigger of, of, of some remnants of, of humanity crept in, or something like that, or even some breaking of um, the, 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 the this trance that she's got that causes her to do this certain motion. 
there's like a switch been flicked and then she's woken up almost as if to say, right, well, she's starting to try and find out what she is, what's all this weird stuff. Mm, no, quite. I don't know. You've got that, that, that key bit where they've got the music on and she starts kind of tapping, you mm. know. Um, I, I will ask as well, just to clarify, that bit where um, th- uh, they're actually having sex, mm. um, is it that he comes and then she is just like, what the fuck was that? I think it's that he actually. I I, I took it was that um, that that was the point of entry, and she was like, "What the whoa? What was what what was that?" Right. Okay. okay. And that, that's why she looked uh, because if she's never had to use her yeah genitalia for any reason like peeing or anything like that, it'll have been like, "Wait a minute, there's a there's 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 there's, there's a gap there. <laughs> what the hell?" Um, to be honest, this film is is slightly peppered with those slight. I that that bit is is amusing. The fact that she drives across and puts a lamp there and starts yeah. looking, it it is amusing and it's it's supposed to be. I think I, I hope it. Yeah, is no, it is. I think it is. I, I definitely found it amusing. Not in a oh look at her, isn't she looking at her crotch? But what is it? it? It's more of a you know, it's more of a oh god, it's that you know, it, it's a sweet kind of thing of. Well, actually, you know, she's, if, if she didn't know that's what that was, you know, she's been programmed to seduce people and to cause this and have this effect and do that. And it's like, right, so this is what I'm seducing them. Oh, my God, that, wait, that's what it is. Why is that there? What's going on? Yeah. And it's, it, 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 I thought it was a, a beautiful and funny, sweet little scene. Yeah, no, that's absolutely. I mean, I, I, you know, I think that is supposed to be funny. And I mean, there's a scene later on where the 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 guy who turns out to be the turns out to be a killer, um, their first interaction where they're just talking, that mm. I thought was just like it was a good mix of is this funny or is this a bit creepy? Because he seems a bit, he seems quite a, a bit off. Yeah. And um, I don't know. I I I thought it kind of. I, I thought it was intentionally ambiguous with how you were supposed to read that, um, yeah. and, and, and which you know it was great. But I mean, you know, the the seduction sequences in the kind of the black void. Um, just where do they come up with those kinds of ideas? I mean, it, it's the, the the image of her walking along and then the, them kind of sinking in while she's still kind of walking along. Is, but they're not changing. They're not stopping their path of movement. They're still walking. There's no, there's no struggle or anything like that. It, it, it just continues. There's a they've been hypnotized essentially. Essentially, it, yeah, yeah. It, 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 down to that basis level. And then I mean, like you, you've got because that was interesting. You've got that that one guy. That I think I think it's the guy she picks up in the club. Who? Um, no, actually, he was actually yeah. No, I think it was yeah. that um, she. It's like it's almost like her programming starts breaking down or something, and it's almost like the spell kind of breaks. Because mm. doesn't he leave? No, the one who leaves is the disfigured guy. Oh, okay. I, I thought he left as well, though. I thought he just walked out. But the disfigured guy is the one who. But she lets him leave. Yeah. But then the the biker, like the the, the kind of the guy who's like her almost her logistics guy or something. Yeah. Um, uh, does away with him anyway. Yeah. Like her area manager. <laughs> yeah, yeah, because you had that interesting bit where um, it was the, the kind of the conference of all the guys on the motorcycles, which I'm assuming they were all doing the same job. Like they had their own people yeah. pocketed around doing this. 
Mm, I, what I thought was, was quite interesting is, I mean, there's often when you get um, a, um, a, a, a a very known actress um, who for the first time is going to reveal skin, we'll say, um, it can sometimes be a bit leery. And that was my... It was I, I very much doubt it was going to happen with this director attached. But, you know, there has been times where something that's happened, but it was... It, it, that whole thing never was an issue. It was clearly an issue for some people I went to see with because they fucking left. Um, but, yeah, it, it was the opening bit where the uh, motorbike guy picks up that body and takes it across. Yeah. And then you've got the room and Scarlett Johansson. It took me a good two minutes to sort of go... Oh, hang on a minute, that's Scott Johansson. Okay. And that was, that scene was brilliant. Mm. Mm. Yeah, yeah, I mean, it's, um, I don't know, the, the kind of, the, the void spaces, the white and the black ones, I'm not really too sure what they're supposed to re- represent on a kind of a literal level, but, um, I, I, I don't know, yeah, it, 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 uh, yeah, I mean, they're remarkable. And the thing is, the, the nudity is so fucking matter of fact. Mm. So, I mean, in that first scene, it kind of sets out its stall. It, 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 like you say, it's not leery at all. It's it's quite it's shot quite wide off. You mm. know, it's not just close ups of her fucking nipples or anything like that. And um, exactly, yeah. You know, I, I it kind of it sets out its stall. And yeah, I mean, like the the kind of the seduction scenes, they are you know a little bit erotic, I suppose. You know, I mean, they're, they're, it's like yeah. with with that music as well, that kind of weird kind of hypnotic music. Yeah, they they, they are. They are erotic, but they're erotic in, in, in the sense that they're supposed to be. You know, there's not constant close-ups of her ass as she's walking and stuff like that. You, it's not, it, it's certainly a part of the film. It's not been inserted to go, alright, well we better insert a, a point where we can put Scarlett Johansson getting naked. It, it, it all makes sense. Oh no, it all serves it, yeah. And I mean, I, I, also, I mean, the, um, I mean, the hidden camera stuff I thought was um, really interesting. It, 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 I mean, it was interesting. I was listening to the um, the Kermode podcast earlier on. They were talking about Under the Skin because it, um, it was in, it was actually in the top ten last week at number ten, which is great. But um, yeah. uh, he was saying that he found the hidden camera stuff um, distracting because he was always wondering which ones were the per- professional actors and which ones weren't. And I just thought, well, there's a very easy way of going about that. Yeah. The ones who you see in the black void or like following her any more than getting uh, than um, uh, talking to her outside, like out of her window, they are actors because you're not going to have. I mean, like you're not going to have like normal people doing this, and then them coming up, like the filmmakers coming up and saying, "Right, would you be free for a couple of days to shoot this seduction sequence with Scarlett Johansson?" You know, they're not going to ask normal people off the street to do that. You know, but then again, if it's just she's chatting to them outside the car window why not I think I think one of them was just a random guy no I I, I just can't see that what if because like they'd have to vet these people like what if he just like he was in the black void thing and he actually like tried to attack Scarlett Johansson or something like that yeah obviously those sort of things can be done fairly quickly you know, there's a, there's a there's a certain level of I think understanding between people. Well, are you talking like actually like the seduction sequences in the black void? I'm, I'm, I'm sure it's somewhere that, that, that at least one of them was a, was was a non actor. 
I I don't. That's interesting. I never thought for a second that would have been the case. Mm, I'm which, sure. Which, I'm sure at least one of them. I don't know. See, I just remember reading a thing where um, Glazer mentioned and said that um, about the you know that that after talking to me, he said you know we're going to do this and there's going to be we're going to ask you to do some weird things. Is that going to be okay? And one of them was like, well, yeah, yeah, and they said, right, well, cool one. And, and sort of took it on. All right, well, I mean, that's that's interesting. I'm 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 still I'll be honest. I'm still slightly dubious as to that. But fair, but fair enough. I mean, if that's what that if that's what Glazer said. But um, I don't know. Like I I just I didn't find it distracting. I was just like you know whatever. It's interesting that you're getting such like natural performances. And also like there there's a scene earlier on where she's kind of walking around a shopping mall. And there was a bit where she's going down an escalator, and I just noticed a couple of pe- a couple of men, pro- like proper checking her out, like mm. like, and probably not because they thought there's Scarlett Johansson because she doesn't really look anything like her. Like, yeah. If you properly looked at her close up, maybe, but if she was just some girl walking past you, and I liked that kind of real thing, even though I mean I will say this film's portrait of Glaswegians. <laughs> paint them very well. No, There's it, a it, lot it, it of doesn't. overweight fucking people walking around. Yeah, and uh, yeah, it's not. It, it, it doesn't shine a nice light on on, on Glasgow as a place, really. Mm. Which I thought was funny, considering that with part of it was funded by Creative Scotland. But you know, fair. <laughs> um, yeah. But no, I thought I just thought that that shooting style was was really fucking interesting. I just it it there's so much of interest here, and I almost. I don't think that bit where I said it slightly took me out of it. I just, I don't think I can begrudge the film that because there's no other way I think you could do that. I'd rather that than like that guy chat to her and, and, you know, give some sort of long monologue and then her like, like a single tear appears in her eye or something like that. Mm-hmm. You know, the way they've done it is probably the best way they could actually do it. And, you know, my, like I said, I think I said on the show before, my definition of a five out of five is a film that I wouldn't change a frame of and I don't think I would change a frame of this just because those bits I can't think of any other way that you could actually do that yeah no it, it, it very much it's, it, it does take you out of out, I think it took me more out of the, the out of the, the mood I was in and yeah. out of the atmosphere more than the actual enjoyment of the film um, which you know I had Throughout, from, from from the moment that the the opening started, I thought, "Well, that's fucking interesting." All right then, yeah. And then, you know, once you got to that scene where she's she's stripping the body, and it's like that. I was like, "Right, you know what? Yeah, I'm on board here." And sort of sat back and was was allowed to go through it. And it just, you know, it, it went in and out. I thought, "Right, well, this is it, it's going down into a sort of a different mood." And where is it going? Where is it going to go from here? And I, I, I did find I was thinking that, but not in a, well, where the fuck they're going to go from here. It was, it, it took me somewhere where I didn't expect it really to go, which was nice. Yeah, no, so, I mean, that, that, that opening 10 minutes, it is totally just like, right, wherever this film's taking me now, I'm, I'm fine. Yeah. Do it. Um, the, also, I thought, I thought the, the whole um, beach scene was, uh, was, was great. Because it, it, it just, it seemed almost like a short film within itself, mm. uh, but made sense within the rest of the film. Yeah, that I, you know, it, it fucking, I don't even want to think about that scene, to be honest. I mean, you know, frankly, if I had a dog, 
if if I was in that situation, I'd let the dog go. It it, mm. it, it, it just like I, they, you know, I mean, like, with the the, I mean, especially with the waves being that rough and whatnot, it just like I, you know, it protects your fucking kid. Yeah. You know, don't bloody. Yeah, it, it, would have been your kid just on the beach on its own. Yeah, yeah. I mean it, it, that that it, it, insane, insanely upsetting because it's so fucking inevitable. Mm. Um, you know, it just yeah, I don't really like thinking about that, frankly. But um, even though it, it, what what that does in terms of the film and the way that that kind of like you know because the the scene after it's like Scarlett Johansson's looking at some kid in a car. And it's like something starts clicking a little bit. Yeah, it it, it, it sets an unsettling tone, certainly. But um, I mean, oh, and uh, you know, Joe Anson, fantastic. You know, the, yeah, the accent brilliant. was down completely. That was very impressive. Um, yeah, it doesn't it doesn't break. That's that, that's that's what I think you look for an accent. It is it, does it break at any point? And it doesn't. It it it, it sits quite nicely throughout the end the entire film and there is a she she shifts her her demeanour and her and her persona quite well within the film yeah no totally it's um, very impressive then, and, and, oh sorry go on then again you know Scarlett Johansson she went through this thing from you know being you know a, a successful child actress to then you know Transforming from kind of being a successful child actress to with Lost in Translation, very much, very quickly becoming a you know well here's an adult Scarlett Johansson and, and, and you know we, it happened before we'd even expect it to start happening and then when you actually go through her career she, she you know she's she's had a very she's she's been in some very good films and she is actually a, a, a good actress but she had a period I think where she made some pretty you know, ropey films that kind of like maybe kind of set her back in some people's minds as you know as not being the actress that she she was set out to be sort of in the early noughties yeah no it, it's um I don't know she's striking that great balance mm. you know where fuck next week she's going to be in Captain America the Winter Soldier and she's going to look completely in in place there and yet she looks it completely here as well. I mean, she's, it's, it's, it's great when you've got these actresses who can play in both fields and, um, you know, have the kind of celebrity to be able to pull that off. I mean, like, I'm, I'm sure most of Under the Skin's budget was committed based on the fact that Scarlett Johansson was in the lead role. Oh yeah, absolutely. Yeah, you know, um, but I mean, you know, you know, I'd like to think Jonathan Glazer's name would would get something. I mean, this is a guy who's responsible for some, you know, amazing commercials and some really good film stuff previous, and you know, all very different films as well. Um, but I mean, the I've just got to say the the void sequence where you see what is going on down there. That there's this like pop that happens when the the guy kind of combusts. Yeah, that scared the living shit out of me. Yeah, it, 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 it's a jumper, isn't it? Uh, yeah, man. I mean, but in in like a really thrilling, satisfying way. Just like the 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 visuals, man. Like the way their faces kind of change, and like you've got this one guy just like looking at this other guy, and this is like that's totally gonna happen to you as far as some point, <laughs> but, you know. And he's yeah. just watching him and just kind of like melting away, and then you know the way that he's kind of like 
the arms and legs almost turn into like wisps, but you know, you know, that's what they were because of the position there. It's, I, I, I mean, they're fucking how this film is anything less than a five out of five. Now I talk about it. I don't know. No, it, I mean, it's uh, on our scale. It's a definitely not shit. It's one of the most definitely not shits we've ever done. Yeah. I mean, it's, it's thrilling, thrilling stuff. And to have this just, prior to kind of like the start of Blockbuster season, which, I mean, fuck me, Blockbuster season basically starts next week and it's not even the end of March yet. Yeah. You know, um, I mean, it, it just, it's... It, I mean, it, it, it is terrific, visionary, uncompromising stuff. And, you know, I, I mean, you, you look at something like Noah as well, which is coming in a, in a few weeks' time, and, you know, Darren Aronofsky, and that is his vision undiluted. And, you, you know, you get people like fucking crying about how cinema is all is all just like homogenized like superhero movies and and bloody books based on young adult novels these days but i mean that's such you know yes that's the stuff that gets the most publicity but there's so much more and i mean like under the skin's not a particularly hard film to find but it kind of feels like it should be um, and yeah. I, I, it almost feels like something that you're you're digging deep to find real quality hidden gems, and it feels like Under the Skin is a hidden gem, and yet it's not. It's out there. It's playing plenty of cinemas. If you live in the vicinity of a city, you can see it this weekend, you know, and I mean it or this week, and it just it's um, it, it's hard well, to, that's, to well, see. That's, that, that's because uh, because people went to see it. Yeah, it's as simple as that. It's as simple as that because people because it played uh, it played most pitch houses and it played a lot of kind of art house cinemas. It, it and then it did so well based on that its its screen to pound ratio was was so high that it made uh, that Studio Canal could basically say just look at how much this this made and it got cinemas like Cineworld and View to go those are pretty fucking high numbers. Do you know what? Do you know what? Yeah, let's do it. Yeah. And it, 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 it essentially it earned its place by the fact that that a lot of people went to see it. You know, you've got to, if you want to have these things in cinemas, if you want to have these interesting things happen, you've got to absolutely support it when it happens and not just sit at home and bitch when it doesn't. Yeah. No. Quite. I mean, the thing is, last week I was sitting home and bitching that it wasn't. Yeah. Because you could because you couldn't get to it. Yeah. You live in the fucking capital of the country, and it wasn't playing there. Yeah, it's, exactly. I mean, like, I could have gone to Bristol to see it, but actually, I couldn't have gone to Bristol and see it because, you know, we've got, I mean, we've got the baby. It's just it's too much of a potch at the moment. But I, I, I mean, I, I messaged Jordan uh, when I came out uh, because Jordan McGrath um, from uh, Barry Tiffin magazine and they have heroes, and he was travelling a two hundred seventy mile trip uh, round trip to go and see under the skin um, and I messed you and said look um, I don't think you'll be disappointed I think it'll be well worth it if I'd travelled that distance to see it I'd be coming home going I made the absolute right decision yeah totally but be warned you might could be on the way back going well that was a waste of time yeah, I very much doubt you will but there is that possibility. You're either going to love it 
are you going to be fucking disappointed? You're not going to go, yeah, all right. Yeah, I mean, apparently, I've heard, apparently it's divisive. And I know it got three stars in Empire, and to be honest, I think that was them just, like, hedging their bets and playing it safe. But yeah. I, I, I don't I just, I... I, I don't know, maybe, sure, but I just don't, from my point of view, and obviously I really fuck, really, 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 really liked it, so maybe that's just coming from me, but I don't see how anyone fully knowing what it is going in doesn't like it. I think that's the issue. I, I mean, I said I had four walkouts. I, we, in, we had two, yeah. In my screening. Um, and from, you know, kind of listening to people as they, as they leave, um, I would say uh, uh, the the majority of people um, it wasn't what they expected. I'll say who went to see it from from just that's just from just hearing people as they're as they're walking out. You know the chitter chatter between people as they're as they're going. The majority of those who were leaving my screening maybe weren't fully aware of the type of film that it was going to be. Yeah, and I mean, I, I, I don't know, like, a, a lot of people do that with, with cinema. A lot of, you know, people who don't listen to this podcast, frankly, you know, they'll, you know, they'll go to the cinema and just know that Scarlett Johansson's in it and know that, and know the, the vaguest ideas of it. Um, but, uh, you know, and uh, hopefully those people, uh, uh, like, a lot of those people will enjoy it anyway. Mm. You know, I mean, that's not to say that they wouldn't, but, um, yeah, it, it just, it, I, I think we probably need to move on now, but it, it's, um, it's heartening to see it getting that that wider release, and I hope that it does well. It was it was pretty busy in my screening. One o'clock on um, uh, a kind of a sunshine and showers Saturday afternoon in Cardiff. Um, to be fair, Cardiff Liverpool was happening, so it was um, you know it, it maybe some cinema goers were put off going into Cardiff for that. Slight tangent as well. I said this on Twitter, but I'll just say this. So many more police around in Cardiff when Cardiff Football Club are playing than when there's a Wales international. On. Well, can I add into your your tangent there? Uh, I have a couple of friends who follow uh, Liverpool to uh, every game. I mean every game, mm. um, and um, one of them actually also follows England uh, rugby around and goes to uh, watch Wales quite a lot because he lives in Liverpool and it's quite close. Mm. Uh, and then was sort of in a brief kind of uh, text chat with him last night about the game. Uh, and but he said, said it was, he said Cardiff, he said, look, Cardiff go there quite a bit for the rugby. He said, the Cardiff City, uh, going to watch an away game at Cardiff City, he said, was one of the worst footballing experiences of going to a ground I've ever had. The thing is, he said, he said, he said, he said it was just, she said, I've, I've been to, I really like, I, I've been to Turkey and Italy and places like that. She said, I've never been near a crowd that is just that angry. <laughs> it's, it, frankly, it's rough as shit. And I mean, the thing is, they are insanely passionate, our Cardiff fans. But mm. um, it's really rough. And what doesn't help as well, this is a tangent, but what doesn't help is the fact that the Cardiff City uh, Central Station and the um, their their, um, their stadium aren't anywhere near each other. Yeah, nowhere not. near each other. And um, I mean, there, there is the, uh, the the Ninian Park rail station, but it is like tiny. And it's like if you get into if a Liverpool fan gets into Cardiff Central, 
I don't know how long it would take them to uh, to walk there. Actually, it would take it would take them like a good half hour, forty minutes, I reckon. I mean, he said. He said the strange thing is, he said we were talking, we were chatting to a group of Cardiff City fans um, in uh, a bar before it. He said, and, you know, today I got to games. Yeah, today you going to our garden? I thought no. I said, but you know, they were in in the Cardiff City shirt, so we're gonna watch it in here. Yeah. He said, and then Clark. He said, and then the ground of the stadium. He said it was just a nasty, horrible place to be. And then they were chatting to some people in a bar after it. He said. Lovely again, lovely. It's just the atmosphere of being in there. It's the said was just. It will. If they stay up next season, might not go, and they go everywhere. But yeah. well, they're not going to stay up next season, so he's not. No, they're not. About they're not. Um, and thank fuck because I really want to see how they're going to solve it. Fail. Uh. I can't say I do, but I kind of want to see Cardiff fail, given how they treated Malky Mackay. That that was disgusting. That's that that's that's part of my reason, and the fact that um, in his Sky interview last night, somebody said the the final question that was asked to him was, you know, do you think Liverpool are serious title contenders? You know, this is bearing in mind that it, their team have just played Liverpool and they've beaten them, and Liverpool are. In the title race, I'm not saying I think we're going to win it. I'm not saying that at all. And his response was "cunkeless" and stormed off. And I just thought, "Oh, grow up, you baby-faced little wanker." <laughs> Under the skin, definitely not shit. Definitely not shit. Yeah. <laughs> Ole Gunnar Solskjaer, definitely shit. Definitely not shit. Moving on, we're going to have a. Uh, but what a game though? Um, yes. Uh, but yes. Anyway. Um, yeah, uh, sorry. Uh, yeah. Uh, so yeah, uh, so definitely not shit under the skin. You know, check it out. It's uh, it's my favourite film of the year so far. But you know, we are only in March, so yeah, there's that. Um, so yeah, moving on, we'll have a bit of um, promoage. Uh, people we like, podcasts you should listen to, and uh, we shall then get into some one old and one new. Are you tired of film podcasts where the hosts exist in a constant, blissful state of agreement? I mean, the main, the main characters are two of the dullest main characters I have ever encountered in any film. Well, you're in luck. Let me introduce you to Chinstroker and Punter. One is an ex-film student with a penchant for David Lynch and art cinema. The other is a man on the street. Listen in perplexed and horrified terror as we tear apart one film a week. Just really it's isn't. not visually striking. No. I just just getting confirmation. It's just in that's the third time though. I mean I must is this on? You can find us at chinstroker versus penta.podomatic.com. So come and share the victory. If you could fuck any man in film, who would it be and why? My answer is Lance Henriksen. Oh. You, you wouldn't tell. He looks like somebody <laughs> He looks like somebody who can keep, keep a secret. find yourself looking for a different type of genre podcast? Do you find yourself on the weekends wondering when you will find that one film that might change your life? Well, then maybe you should check out The Gentleman's Guide to Midnight Cinema with your host Big Willie and the Samurai. Bringing class to the trash since 1977 and rocking the house. 
You can find the gentleman at ggtmc.com. Bringing class to the trash. And we are back, and it is time for One Old, One New. Marco, why didn't you start us off? Uh, I'll start off with my one, one new, because I've, I've literally just watched it. Um, not, really, not, not got a great deal to talk about, because it, it's a, it is actually a remake uh, of, of a previous film, uh, not the one we talked about. And I think you, you talked about it um, probably about a year ago, actually. Uh, I watched the, uh, finally got around to watching it, the remake of Red Dawn. Oh um, shit! Okay. Yeah, uh, watched it with Isabel um, because you know it's a it's a PG thirteen slash twelve A. Um, did the quick kind of check on the parental guidance thing on IMDb uh, just to find out if there weren't any you know if there wasn't sort of twelve A but really it's a fifteen kind of stuff in it. Um, so gave it a go. As I'm sure everybody knows, remake of um, the movie film Red Dawn, same name. Uh, you've got. North Korea invade uh, the United States and a group of uh, essentially high school kids and, you know, young adults, you know, a little bit older than high school kids, um, end up getting away and hiding in the woods and form kind of like a resistance named after their high school uh, football team, the Wolverines. Uh, And this helps kind of overthrow, start to overthrow that certain region that, 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 that they live in. Um, Red Dawn was, was kind of, it was hampered by the fact that it was, um, it was made in like 2009 and then didn't actually come out until 2012. Um, so it was made by Chris Hemsworth, you know, with Chris Hemsworth, um, and, you know, um, Josh Hutchinson, um, uh, before, uh, Hunger Games and, you know, was it really before four as well? So it's presumably like, yeah. yeah. Uh, and before all of that, so before, you know, before Chris Hemsworth was, was Thor. Uh, and then, you know, so it, it's strange looking at it because it's actually a film that's sort of four or five years old, but it's not. It's a film that's maybe like 18 months old. Um, and it got a lot of shit. In fact, it did pretty fucking terrible, um, really. Uh, I think you and I are about to disagree on this film, but go on. Um, I I had no problem with it at all, to be honest. Fair enough. Um, I, you know, it's it's ninety minutes, well, just over ninety minutes, um, and it kept me entertained throughout. I enjoyed it. Yes, you've got to suspend a, a, a lot of um, reality, and there's bits of it where you kind of go, but if that happened there, then what about that? If you start thinking about it while you're watching it, it all unravels very, very quickly. But, you know, I just didn't. I decided that I wasn't going to, and I was just going to let it go along. And the beats that it, 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 it hit, I, I, I took them and, and I enjoyed it. I enjoyed the characters. Um, they are certainly not perfect. It doesn't make sense at some points, but... I expected to be thoroughly fucking bored and it to be an absolute car crash. And when it finished, I actually thought, do you know what? I actually quite enjoyed that. That was all right. That was perfect for Sunday afternoon. Um, sat watching um, with Izzy eating minstrels. To me, forgive me, because it, it, it was it was the day after last year's Oscars I watched this. For some reason, I remember that. Um, so. Uh, forgive me for maybe not remembering things, but it felt to me like 
a really middling uh, pilot episode for a TV series. I could, I could maybe, maybe get, you know, say that, but if it was, I'd probably watch the next two or three episodes, then give up. Yeah, no, well, <laughs> yeah, that kind of says it all, I suppose. It, yeah, it's it, 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 it. If it had been another ten, fifteen minutes, it'd have lost me. But the fact that it it drops you in, starts really fucking quickly, and then just goes with a bang and skips along at a really nice fucking pace, kept me in it, and then when I was starting to go. Oh, what's happening here? It's starting to, it's starting to go dip down. Up past Jeffrey Dean Morgan. I was like, ah, Jeffrey Dean Morgan. Every film should have a Jeffrey Dean Morgan moment. And then it, it, it brought me back up again, and it went through. And I thought, I was watching it thinking, do you know what? If I'd watched this when I was like 10, 11 years old, I'd have fucking loved it. And it, it's, it, you know, for a 12 year it doesn't scrimp on the action. You know, it is quite violent. There is consequences. People do die. And it's not just, you know, they set off with this amount of people and they all manage to survive. You know, it, it, it's not kind of tempered. It does have some quite, you know, not horrific moments, but sort of some moments where characters that you've grown, that you've taken along with you, are just gone. Uh, and, I, you know, do you know what? It, it gets a lot of shit, and I think that not all of it is really that deserved. I'm not saying it's fucking perfect, and it's great, and it, it should be a lot celebrated, but I enjoyed my 90-odd minutes with it. Will I watch it again? Probably not. But if in a year's time, Isabel says, well, Saturday night when we're having a film night, I can watch Red Dawn again, I'm not going to be like, God, no. Yeah, yeah, no, I, 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 fair enough. I mean, I... I I just, I found the characters quite wet and bland and annoying. Um, I thought the action wasn't very well directed. Um, it made me laugh that somebody actually referred to an employee of Subway as a sam- sandwich artist. Like, there's a bit where he goes, hey, you, sandwich artist, blah, 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 blah. Which, um, yeah, but that, 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 that's what they are actually called, aren't they? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Wait, wait, like, wait, 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 but th- th- there, well, see, see, there is an unravelling moment. Because there's no power, so all of that food would have gone off. There is also that. Um, I just, I did just, it's a weird example of product placement where they're trying to get the the freight, the, the the term sandwich artist oh, into the lexicon or something, and it just, I still remember that, you know. I don't remember <laughs> a lot of Red Dawn, but I remember that. And um, I don't know, it just, I was annoyed that I spent my time watching it just because oh. it was so inconsequential and nothing of value and, and not even in a kind of like a high calorie cheesy blockbuster kind of way. I just I didn't get anything from it at all. I I I I, I liked it. Look, I'm I'm a fan of I like Hemsworth. I I think Josh Peck is actually a decent actor. Same for Hunchton. Uh, Adrian Bullock is always great in anything I ever watch her in. And it had Jeffrey Dean Morgan, which will always get me watching it. Fair enough. Go on then, what's your uh, one old or one new? Okay, okay, okay. so um, I'll, I'll do my one old um, first. And uh, yeah, so I, I rewatched um, for the first time since like it first came out on DVD, um, Eternal Sunshine in the Spotless Mind. Um so uh, Michelle Gondry's film, which is now ten years old, uh, which isn't depressing at all, um, and yeah, so I mean, I, I suppose everybody knows knows what this is. Um, I really liked Eternal Sunshine when I first watched it. I just never got around to watching it again. And um, but it was on Netflix, and I just thought I fancy 
something kind of light but with a bit of meat to it as well and I, I, I think this, this kind of fits the bill nicely um Okay, I just came out of it thinking this is one of the most, uh, like, obviously but well-directed films of the past God knows how long. Um, the the world-building in it, both in the kind of, like, the imaginary kind of, like, dream kind of world but uh, and in the real world, um, I thought was, was marvellous, really. Um, the... The creativity in it, which um, I kind of feel like Gondry subsequently kind of tried doing again to much less interesting effects. I mean, it's kind of like the whole... He kind of took it on to feel more handmade in in future films. Like, I mean, like Science of Sleep, and quite literally it'd be kind of rewind. I mean, that's part of the fucking plot that it's like handmade stuff. Um, Yeah. But with this, it's interesting camera moves and um weird ways of kind of, of 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 showing things on screen using kind of like rather subtle cgi and um even just kind of like set design the way that one room suddenly leads into something else completely different and it it's it kind of feels like gondry afterwards tried to say like i could do all this stuff but with only 50p and some sellotape <laughs> and you know, it, it just it, it it doesn't work and it just becomes annoying. Whereas here to me it kind of felt fresh and it feels vibrant and yet it still does feel like actually making a fucking uh, film, you know, and not just like a student wank piece. Yeah. Um but I mean also within that you've got Jim Carrey who um you know gives a really good you know, it's kind of a balance between his comedic stuff and and his more and his dramatic work, and I think he plays the slightly depressed, insular kind of schlub quite well. Um, but then when he has to get wacky, and it's actually mandated by the plot, not just Jim Carrey doing it just to be Jim Carrey, he obviously fits into it really well. I mean, you've got the bits where um, he's like Baby Joel, as Kate Winslet, Winslet's character calls him, and. Um, you know, the, 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 the kind of the sets around him where he's made to look like a baby and everything else is really over, um, oversized. And there's a bit where it's like his mum's not looking at him and he's just like, she's not looking at me. Why, why is this upsetting me so much? She's not looking at me. She's not looking at me. Which, um, I, I, like little moments like that where he thought were great. But, um, just the, the kind of the melancholy in the whole thing as well, I, I, I thought was really wonderfully done. Um, that basically the, the story of him trying to reverse a, a rash, off, off the hoof kind of decision, and I mean, by the end of the film, he has actually failed, you know. And but then they kind of decide to um, begin again anyway. I, I, it's just there's an awful lot of interest here for me, and it, it, it constantly surprises me. And I think Kate Winslet gives a good reading of the manic pixie dream girl, um, kind of before that, before Zoe Deschanel basically started doing that in every single film she was in for a bit. Um, for a bit. For a bit. Well, no, I mean, well, to be fair, New Girl, she's kind of stopped doing that as much. Like, New Girl, the first couple of episodes of New Girl are excruciating. I I, I, I watched uh, the first episode of, of New Girl, and, and it was fucking easily enough for me. Yeah, but, I mean, it's it just, like, they, they really, really dial back on that in, in New Girl. But, I mean, back to Kate Winslet, it, it kind of feels like she's doing that kind of thing, but, I don't know, it... it 
feels right and it actually does feel like there's some kind of mental fragility there which the manic pixie dream girl basically should always have but never does um and, and yet it is here and i i, I don't know I, i'm rambling a bit but i i just i was very very impressed by it and um i i, I think it will be a lot sooner than nearly 10 years until i i, I watch it again cool mark you're one old sir uh, my one old, uh, it was a film I briefly uh, mentioned um, uh, last week uh, that, I, that I had started watching, uh, and it was while we were talking about something completely completely different. Um, I watched um, Vegas Vacation, uh, which I hadn't watched since the late 90s when I actually saw it. I saw this in the cinema, uh, Vegas Vacation. Um, mm, okay. Uh, in the in the late nineties, uh, so I, I'm a big fan of the uh, vacation movies. Um, always have been. Christmas Vacation, one of my favourite uh, Christmas films. Um, Vacation's a great film. European Vacation, uh, sadly, uh, has not weathered the test of time very well. We'll say, um, and looks like an absolute piece of shit nowadays. To be honest. Um, so if you are looking at going and revisiting the vacation films. Um, you know, not just Christmas, they just don't do European because it's terrible. Um, the idea of Vegas Vacation, again, it is like all of them. Um, Chevy Chase, Clark, Griswold. Have you seen Vegas Vacation? No, because no. I like joy. <laughs> but you, you've seen Christmas Vacation and you adore it, right? Christmas Vacation is fantastic. Have you seen Have you seen the other two, Vacation and European Vacation? I actually haven't. Right. Vacation's worth watching, George, European Vacation. Okay. Um, Vegas Vacation is one of it's string one way essentially um, Clark Ridgewald um, Chevy Chase Clark Ridgewald um, decides that he's going to take the family on a, a holiday and he's going to take them away and they're going to go to Vegas because it's the perfect uh, place that, for families to go out on holiday is to to Vegas, Vegas. Yeah. Um, they all try and all the members of the family do try and kind of tell him uh, that, that it, it, it's not really a um a place that you'd go on holiday with a family, but Clark has has a leaflet that basically says that it, it, it is. Uh, the only one who seems to think that it's a good idea is um, Rusty, because um, he thinks that prostitution is legal uh, in uh, Vegas. Um, so anyway, off they off they go, uh, and hilarity ensues with uh, Chevy Chase um, almost blowing up the Hoover Dam and getting addicted to gambling. Uh, and uh, Randy Quaid turns up. Uh, he is uh, living in the desert in a trailer um, as Cousin Eddie, and uh, he, he pops up throughout it. And uh, Vegas Vacation is one of those films where it's it's strange that you've got essentially you've got there are other uh, of the vacation movies you've got. You know, but of the actual, the main ones, the theatrical ones, um, you've got four of them: vacation, European vacation, Christmas vacation, and this. And it's kind of a one good, one awful, one magnificent, and one that's not as bad as the second one, but really not a very good film at all. Uh, it, it's strange how that kind of goes. Um, there's a whole subplot in this where um, Ellen uh, Beverly Angelo. Uh, um, becomes obsessed with uh, Wayne Newton, um, the uh, Vegas singer, um, 
and they've actually got Wayne Newton in on this. But Wayne Newton's not an attractive-looking man, and also talks really strange. Uh, and he's very he's very heavily made up and had quite a lot of surgery. Um, and it's 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 a very kind of strange sort of segue that that takes off. And it, it is just very puzzling for how how good the first one and the third one is to how bad the second and the fourth one can actually be. I'm not going to lie, I laughed a couple of times during this movie, probably more than the movie ever deserved, but that's because it, I will laugh majority of the time at Jimmy Chase because he's one of my comedic heroes. But it, 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 uh, let's just say, Ian, if it ever crops up on Netflix, something like that, watch Vacation. Um, don't watch Vegas Vacation. Just don't. It's just not very good. It's it's them trying to yeah to make um, a film way too late in the series. Yeah, I I I I don't think I'll ever find time in in my life to watch this. No, I, 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 do you know what? I don't think you should find time in, in your life to watch this. It, what I would actually say is, if you're on a plane, let's say, and um, your your battery on your tablet and your phone has run out and it's playing and it's the only thing that's playing, maybe watch it. You have to wonder what airline would be like the only film they'd have on would be Vegas Vacation. I, 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 I'm 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 going to guess that probably a really a really cheap one. Like, like so cheap like cheaper than the ones where there's no film playing there's yeah. no screens cheaper than that it's like they, they like this airline bought an airplane where it was you know, just like the, the key fault is that it just plays Vegas Vacation on a route on a loop on its monitor and it can never be switched off yeah you know that episode of The Simpsons uh, where um, Lisa Simpson and Marge and Maggie all get put on one spaceship uh, and that's for where all like the brilliant minds are going, and Bart and Homer end up on another spaceship with like Tom Arnold and Paulie Shaw. Oh yeah, yeah, and it's going to the sun. Yeah, Vegas yeah. Vacation's playing on that. Okay, yeah, 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 yeah. Shit. Yeah. Uh, right, go on then. Here's with your other one old slash one with you. Oh, also, just slight tangent, slight slight tangent, but not really. But feeds into this, and we were talking about a couple of shows ago. Um, there is a a, a rumored uh, Fletch reboot happening. Mhm, mhm. With uh, Jason Sudeikis. Great um, casting. It's brilliant casting. That. Like that's can, spot on, mate. I can absolutely uh, see that working and. I, being a huge Chevy Chase fan and a huge fan of Fletch, um, I, I could really, I, I, I am very much on board with that. If they keep it in the same tone and look at that, I think that's a, I'm, I'm very excited for that happening. Yeah, no, absolutely, man. Go on then, hit us with your, your one uh, new. Yar. Um, okay, so my one new is. Um, a film that proves that Sam Rockwell makes everything better. Um, you know, well, of course. Uh, uh, yeah. I mean, that, that's to su- that's going to surprise nobody. But uh, yes. So this is uh, Better Living Through Chemistry, um, which stars uh, Mr. Rockwell along with um, Olivia Wilde, uh, Michelle Monaghan, Ray Liotta, and uh, weirdly um, uh, Jane Fonda. Um, Playing Jane Fonda, um, she narrates the film, 
And <laughs> as Jane Fonda. Yeah. Huh. <laughs> yeah, she's Sweet. basically saying that like she kind of lives a Hollywood life, but she also owns a house in this place, um, in this town, and you know, she she enjoys like what like basically people watching there essentially. Um, so yeah, um, this is this film exists literally only to prove that Sam Rockwell makes everything better. <laughs> That, that, that's all there is to it. Ba- uh, basically, um, he plays this um, pharmacist in a small town. Um, his um, father-in-law, um, uh, he works for his father-in-law in, the, uh, father-in-law in this pharmacy, and his father-in-law gives him the pharmacy, but won't change the name, so it's still the father-in-law's name, not his name. Um, he's married to Michelle Monaghan's character, who's this um, kind of like fitness um, freak who doesn't really appreciate him all that much. And, uh, one day when he has to make some, uh, like deliveries of, um, of, uh, prescriptions to patients, uh, he meets Olivia Wilde's character who is this kind of bored, um, housewife who he starts basically having an affair with. She teaches him how to basically man up and, and be, be a man essentially. And, uh, also basically gets him to start getting high on his own supply uh, along with her and uh, then they plot to kill her husband played by Ray Liotta so they could get money to get out of there so um, super 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 generic sounding plot and it's a super 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 generic film apart from Sam Rockwell Um, and I've just seen here apparently Judi Dench was originally going to do the Jane Fonda part um, which would have been a lot better, to be honest. Um, yeah, so basically, if you take Sam Rockwell out of this film, you'd basically switch it off in the first 10, 15 minutes. There's nothing to it whatsoever that really strikes out as being something that anyone would really particularly want to do. And it's almost like the, the, the other cast have just seen Sam Rockwell's in the lead role. There must be something there to it. Then, yeah, go on, then I'll do this. <laughs> uh, you know, I mean, it's, it's written and directed by these two guys, Jeff Moore and David Possamantia. Um, neither of them have any other credits on IMDb, apart from Possamantia, who was Zach Braff's assistant on Garden State ten years ago. Um, it's just a film that seems to have been conjured somehow. And you wonder what anyone is doing in it, apart from... I, I, these guys have dirt on them or <laughs> that Sam Rockwell just wanted a really easy payday where he can kind of be both like hyper and also uh, uh, and also insular there's just there's nothing to it whatsoever you just sit there and you watch it and there's a five minute stretch where it's basically a montage of Rockwell being high and being awesome, which almost makes the film watch it worth watching in itself. As does his interactions with, Os- uh, with Oscar Wilde's character. Jesus, that would have been a film. Olivia Wilde's character. Um, <laughs> uh, you, you made an entirely better film. I, I, I did, I did in fairness, yeah. And I mean, Olivia Wilde is, you know, is, is, like basically hotness and that's what she does and she's good at it um and, I, I, and actually that's quite a nice segue from us mentioning uh jason sudeikis before that it is indeed yes 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 um yeah no it's it 
Yeah, good, good for him as well. But um, yeah, it, it just um, there's barely anything to it. It's 91 minutes long, so it is short. And I mean, Rockwell is great, you know, as he always, always, always he is. You know, it, it just um. You, you, it, it finishes and you're just like, right, that's that done. Now I can get on with the rest of my life. Rockwell's always the best thing in anything he's in. It, it, you know, no matter how bad a film is that he, he's in, the minutes that he are, he's on screen are always magnificent. He's always brilliant. I mean, I, I remember uh, waxing lyrical that in, um, from The Way Way Back, which is a film that I, I didn't get on with. I know a lot of people loved it, but I didn't get on with it. Other than when Rockwell's there, when Rockwell's there, it's a five-star film for me. Mm. When he's not, it's a two and a half to three-star film for me. Um, and he's always, he's always great as Rockwell. So I mean, I, I'm see, I'm actually tend to watch this simply because it's got Rockwell in it. Yeah, that, that's the thing. That's I, th- I think that's the only reason why I watched it. Really, it's um, and I mean, it is almost worth watching for him because he's great. And I mean, like. Ray Liot is okay. He's basically in a very short cameo. Um, is, he, is he doing comedy Ray Liotta? I quite like comedy Ray Liotta. Not really, but he's not doing super serious Ray Liotta either. He's actually mm. kind of weirdly doing nice guy Ray Liotta. That's strange. Which isn't something you see every day, but he's actually all right at it. Um, mm. And it's kind of nice to see Michelle Monaghan being a bit of a spiky bitch as well. Um so I mean, like the, the the individual actors are actually all pretty good in it. It's just the actual material is so fucking throwaway that I don't know. It just and also I mean it's it's interesting. I don't want to spoil really, but the end of the narrative it's kind of interesting how no one's really learnt anything. I would say. One of But that yeah, that kind of feels like it's almost like a fault of the film. Um, mm. But yeah, I you know. Netflix, you're bored, maybe. Yeah. That's about it. I didn't hate it at all. It just, there's barely anything to it, apart from Sam Rockwell being awesome. And there is a bit where he's on a bed in his underwear dancing. So, you know, that's good. Mm. Olivia Wilde also has one of my favourite actual real names. Sorry, say again? Olivia Wilde has one of my favourite real names. You know, you have actresses and actors who change their names. Mm. Uh, Olivia Wilde's real name is Olivia Cockburn. That is solid. It is, isn't it? It kind of, it kind of makes sense. I, I will say the door squeaking in the background there kind of sounds like that that stuff from the score of Insidious, where he's like, <laughs> yeah, that's that's our kitchen door. <laughs> Fucking, you got a creepy kitchen door. We do. It's also a crack down the middle of it as well. <laughs> right, and on that note, so. We are done with that, and uh, we yeah. we are, aren't we? Yeah, we are. Yeah, yeah. Okay, so let's get the uh, next part of the when Ian and Mark met Rob Marathon. Um, here is the trailer for A Few Good Men, and we will get into it. You ever served in an infantry unit, son? No, sir. Ever served in a forward area? No, sir. Ever put your life in another man's hands, ask him to put his life in yours? No, sir. We follow orders, son. We follow orders or people die. It's that simple. Are we clear? Yes, sir. Are we clear? 
crystal. All those having business with this general court martial, stand forward and you shall be heard. The facts of the case are these. On midnight of September 6, the accused entered the barracks room of their platoon mate. They woke him up, tied his arms and legs with tape, forced a rag into his throat. A few minutes later, a chemical reaction caused his lungs to begin bleeding. He drowned in his own blood and was pronounced dead at 37 minutes past midnight. Do you think Santiago was murdered? Private Santiago is dead, and that is a tragedy. But he is dead because he had no code. He is dead because he had no honor. And God was watching. How do you feel about that theory? Sounds good to me. I'll knock it all down to involuntary manslaughter. No deal, we're going to court. No, you're not. Why not? Because you'll lose. You want to investigate me? Roll the dice and take your chances. I eat breakfast 300 yards from 4,000 Cubans who were trained to kill me. So don't think for one second you can come down here, flash a badge, and make me nervous. Your men follow orders if people die. You want answers? I think I'm entitled. You want answers? I want the truth! You can't handle the truth! Son, we live in a world that has walls, and those walls have to be guarded by men with guns. Who's gonna do it? You! That if this case is handled in the same fast food, slick-ass, Persian Bazaar manner which you seem to handle everything else, then something's gonna get missed. In the heart of the nation's capital, in a courthouse of the United States government, one man will stop at nothing to keep his honor, and one will stop at nothing to find the truth. Okay, so that was a clip from the trailer. Well, that was the trailer for A Few Good Men, the latest part of the uh, When Ian and Mark Met Rob Marathon. So, A Few Good Men uh, stars um, Tom Cruise, Demi Moore, Kevin Pollock, um, Jack Nicholson, uh, Kiefer Sutherland and um, others. And is the story of a kind of a hotshot Navy lawyer who is assigned the case of um, two... Uh, Marines uh, working in Guantanamo Bay who act kind of inadvertently or not kill uh, a colleague um, after being oh, fuck it with the spoilers all the time in it uh, yeah. basically after being issued a code red um, which is kind of an informal um, disciplinary um, uh, uh, procedure within the Marines here to um, keep them under check um, Demi Poor plays um uh, basically uh, a superior of his who, uh, of Tom Cruise's who kind of keeps him in check and starts making him realise that he's actually got to take shit seriously and you know, th- there are consequences to his actions and Kevin Pollock essentially plays his assistant and slightly kind of comic relief banter partner kind of guy um, so yeah, written by uh, Aaron Sorkin based on his own play, um, A Few Good Men Mark what did you think? Well, this was the... I'm right in thinking you hadn't seen this far, have you? No. no, that's right, yeah. But, um, I, I, I uh, have had a few good men on um, on VHS. I've had it on DVD. Uh, and I, I will at some point uh, pick it up on, on Blu-ray. It, it's a film that I I, I really enjoy watching. Um, one of those. Um, and it, it's weird because... It, I've only kind of, I, I, I knew it was Rob Reiner, but I'd only sort of, I always forget that it's a Rob Reiner film, and in my brain, it always feels more like a, a not 
the actual film itself, but the cast and the way it's done and like that, almost feels like a Ron Howard film, uh, in a way, of sort of that era, etc. Um, and then when I watched it, I haven't watched it since, oh, it must be sort of, it must be about six, seven years, um, from watching it quite, uh, used, used to watch it quite a lot. Um, and it, it's still very good, it's still a very entertaining, it's still a very engaging, a very enthralling film. It, it's a proper kind of um, dramatic kind of thriller that, that takes you in on all these conspiracy things and gets you to go along with it, and you start thinking, well, who's double-crossing who, what's the old endgame, stuff like that, and then you've got, you know, you know, some very good actors, you know, giving very good turns, and everyone's a noticeable face, something like that. But the one thing that I was um, watching it sort of, you know, like I said, the first time in all these years, was... Uh, how actually um, light it is at points, and how funny it is at points, and how from being sort of more aware now of, of Rob Reiner in a conscious looking at it as a Rob Reiner film, not just as a few good men, uh, how it is um, it is kind of like away from what the sort of films he usually usually makes, but it, it still does have that kind of pattern of a Rob Reiner film and. It's Cruise before he became mega, mega star uh, Tom Cruise. Um, and, you know, you've got Jack Nicholson before he became Fat Jack. And it, it it's two very good central performances within the film. Uh, I, 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 again, still thoroughly enjoyed A Few Good Men. Yeah, no, I'm, I'm, I'm pretty right there with you, actually, I must say. And the lightness was one thing, I, I yeah, that particularly surprised me. I mean, it, it is... I mean, I suppose that kind of does help that you've kind of got Tom Cruise at his shit-eating grin best here. Yes, very much so, yeah. Yeah, it, it's... Um, and, and, I mean, the the thing is here, as well as that stuff, you have got a genuine character arc for him, which feels right. It feels dead on. Sometimes he's kind of like cocky guy who has to learn to man up and take responsibility kind of thing can sort of, uh, pardon me, um, fall a bit flat um, in some films. But I don't think it does here. And I think part of that is Reiner's decision to actually, when he is goofing off, to have him really goof off. And it kind of, at times, yeah, I mean, it adds some weight to the fact that the other characters see him as a bit of an asshole. And that moment where he twigs the he was basically assigned this because he always plea bargains and he yeah. always takes the easy way out. Um, you know, it is, is wonderful. And that kind of dichotomy within him, especially in the first half of the film, where he kind of wants the easy way out, but there's a, a needling instinct in him to kind of push things a bit. Like, the, you know, the Kevin, uh, Kevin Bacon offers him the 12 years pretty much straight away and he's like he didn't put up a fight that's weird and the bit with the transfer papers for Jack Nicholson's character and I love that moment because all the way through that scene he's the one who wants the easy way out and then he's just got that one moment and Nicholson like clocks him and he's just like it's also as well it's it's a very very good script as well you know and this was I think I'm, I'm Pretty certain in saying this was this was Sarkin's first um, script. Yeah, um, wouldn't surprise me. Film script. Uh, it, it, indeed, it was his first film script, um, and I, 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 it was it was like the first film, not just like for TV, Dampton TV, in fact, it was his first foray into that from from being a playwright. 
Um, it, it, it's, a, it's an incredibly well-written film, and it's, it, you know, it, it works well. But also, Cruz, I think, is one of those actors who's better when he's got better actors around him. And Jack Nicholson is a great actor, and he can... I mean, Jack Nicholson, essentially, in this movie, sits and talks. That's all he does. Mm. You know, there's, a, there's only, I think, a very brief moment in his first scene where he isn't sat talking. The majority of it is him talking at people. But it's it's also it's very much a character performance from Jack Nicholson as well. He he seems like he's you know, he's enjoying, you know, it, it, it's something he's been able to get his teeth into. And it's something that maybe he's been, you know, we don't see that much from, from Jack Nicholson nowadays. We don't see that much Jack Nicholson nowadays really. Mm. Um but yeah there's the, like you say there's that that moment where he's he's essentially just trying to just get the fuck out before um, Demi Moore's character pisses this guy off, uh, 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 and you know he's cause, because he's seen a chink, he's seen a way to get into it, and it, it, he's very much that thing of it, his character. He's happy to coast, and then when he realizes, well, actually, I could use the fact that I am a very good lawyer to actually do something good. Mm. Yeah, no, absolutely. It's um, and I mean, like the Kevin Pollock character is almost kind of his Jiminy Cricket, I suppose. Even I, even though I love that moment where um, he's asking him what what he would do, and he's just like, "Well, I'm not, I'm not the lawyer. Demi Moore's character is not the lawyer. You're you're the the, the lead trial lawyer on this. Make yeah. a decision. You know, I mean, it's it's um, yeah, I mean, it's 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 wonderful stuff. And I mean, going back going back to Jack Nicholson, I mean, it's um. The thing is, he does look like he's getting his teeth into it, but it's it's not in like a hammy way at all. No, is that, that, that's it, yeah. Like when he's when he's being kind of like when he's got the sarcastic kind of lines, it's not like chomping at it with big big beats of ham coming off. It's he's pissed off mm. and he's snapping. He gets the tone right. It's it's very much Jack Nicholson, and Jack Nicholson's wonderful. He's Jack Nicholson, but he's very he seems to be very aware of this isn't the Jack show. Um, and you know the again similar to what happened with um with when Harry met Sally, where when Harry met Sally has become synonymous with that scene, and like we said, it's an incidental scene. A few good men has become synonymous with the you know you want the truth. I, I, you know, I, I, you want to out of the truth, you can't handle the truth. It's become synonymous with that. And what's forgotten around that is how great a scene that is and how great a, a, a back and forth that is between Cruz and Jack Nicholson where Cruz has realised that he, that he can get him, he can, he can chip away at him and he can get him to, to admit what he's done. And Nicholson's character doesn't even realise that that's happened. You know, the fact that he gets up and he's walking going, What's going on? Why, where's everyone going? I'm going. I, I'm off. And he doesn't realise that what he's so in that zone, embedded yeah. in, in the fact that he's in control of what he's in control of, and it's a part of America that's away from America, and he can essentially run it like almost like a fucking dictator. Yeah. Uh, that when somebody and he's probably had that for so long, and he's become so powerful, and everyone's so scared of him that when somebody takes him on, and when somebody you know, forces the issue on him. He still doesn't realise that it, he has to be accountable for his acts. Yeah, that's fucking amazing. And I, I also love the fact that Tom Cruise, his character, says that's going to happen. 
like yeah. 10, 15 minutes beforehand. He says, I'm going to push him on it and he's going to want to say that's what he did because that was the truth and he's proud of what he did. Yeah. yeah he and, thought and, it was the right thing to do. And in that, we, we got we got Tom Groove doing a great Jack Nicholson impression. Oh yeah, that's true. Yeah, that was good. Which, which it, again, is a great little moment of, of levity. Yeah, yeah. No, absolutely. It's... um. Yeah, no, absolutely. I, it, I mean, it, it just the, the way that we know, like Tom Cruise's character says that's going to happen, and yet it's so tense, even though you've been told it's going to happen. Yeah. And, and you know, and just seeing him kind of need, like needling away, it, it's 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 wonderful stuff. I mean, the, the bits of levity as well. I mean, the, a lot of that's in the courtroom, which is where mm. you wouldn't think that that would happen. But the bit about the uh, in the book where does it say anything about Code Red? Yeah, and then it comes up and says, Wiley thing. Yeah. Where, where's this? in this book where does it say the mess hall is you know yeah. you know I mean that, that that's that, you know that's great stuff and the relationship that he has with Kevin Bacon's character kind of like the little like knowing smirks mm-hmm. that they like Kevin Bacon kind of gives him I love because again I mean I love the way that it's the two lawyers are actually friends and but in a professional capacity you know that they, they they are enemies and they're locking horns I mean another bit of level C uh, the bar scene that just ends with like Tom Cruise like getting up and just shouting like you're a fucking terrible softball player or whatever it is <laughs> yeah. he says. It, you yeah. know, it's 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 great. It just it's really well handled. I mean, the dialogue is is meaty and juicy in that good actor way. And it, it, it's, it, it's it's yeah, it, it has it, it's got one of my it's got my favourite table swipe scene in it as well because I hate the table swipe. Oh fuck that! The, the moment where Tom Cruise loses it. When Tom Cruise swipes the table and he kind of, he's supposed to be a little bit drunk and he kind of swipes it and falls over a chair as well at the same time. Mm. And it's like, that, that is what a table swipe looks like. Sure. No, it's, it's, yeah, it's just, um, it's re- I don't know, it's just a, a really well handled film from start to finish. And it's utterly captivating from, from start to finish. You know, it just, it's like two hours, 18 minutes long and there's yeah. not a bit of it I'd cut out. Yeah, it, it is, it is a, it's the sort of film that, that, and I've seen it before, we, we don't seem to get anymore or, or as often as we did. We used to get them a lot in that, you know, that early 90s period. Where you've got a lot of films kind of like this, you know, you know this and the firm and, and, and films like that, where they're they're accessible kind of drama, dramatic thrillers and things like that. And, you know, I I, I I commented on it at the start of the year um, that we don't get enough films like that. And you know, Jack Reacher was like that for me. And it, it, it's that I don't know that I just named just Tom Cruise films essentially, um, but. Those films that are great for watching on a Sunday night, you know. Sure. Yeah. You, you've got work the next week, and you know that's when I first watched this movie. I watched, first watched this movie um, on a Sunday night, probably with my with my dad, because we used to watch movies every Sunday. Night. It was the only night we actually ever were in the house together, um, <coughs> and we used to have dinner and what, and then we'd watch a, a, a film, and that was our Sunday night. Um, and, and that's where I first started to watch this film and I got on VHS went through it and it's that perfect kind of right it's the end of the weekend going into the week I want to watch something that isn't going to at the end of it I actually left a wreck but that I have to put a little bit of thought into and it, it's great for that you know 
Ja- Cruz is brilliant. Janikson is brilliant. You know, Kevin Baker's great. Kevin Pollock's there. Um, Keith Sutherland's very kind of, you know, charactery in it. And, you know, James Marshall's, you know, still riding that post Twin Peaks wave before he did uh, Soccer Dog. Oh, God, yeah, of course that is him, isn't it? That is totally him. Yeah. Sorry, yeah, that just, I just realised that shit. Yeah, and it's just, it's absolutely solid. um, And I'm going to say it's solid five star entertainment. This film is going to change your life, but it's going to really fucking entertain you. Straight up, straight up, and uh, definitely not shit. Definitely not shit. Easily, easily. Next week, North. North, yes! Again, I saw North the cinema, but we'll get into that next week. Yeah, you've not seen it, have you? No, I haven't. <laughs> Slightly dreading it, but we'll see wow. what happens. Yeah. Okay, so uh, <laughs> let's let's finish off with some Twitter questions. Oh dear. Um, so we've got a few this week. Um, at very cinematic, this is Tom says, uh, "Would you like to see Jonathan Glazer making big budget Hollywood films, or is he doing just fine?" Um, I'd say both, really. If he doesn't want to make big budget Hollywood films, then cool. But if he wanted to make one, I'd watch the shit out of it. Uh, it, it'd have to be a big budget, but like one of those, a big budget for him on his terms ones, like maybe he gets 40 million to do X, you know, to do something that he wants to do. I wouldn't like to see him taking on like a fucking Marvel film or anything like that, no. Uh, I don't think he ever will. He, you know, this is a guy who makes his living directing music videos and commercials and then occasionally uh, dips in with a film. You know, he's made three films in what? nearly 20 years mm. uh, I, I, I can't see it, 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 it happening you know he makes you, you know, I, yeah. somebody did mention that in an interview I saw with him when he was talking about uh, Under the Skin um, and he said you know this is this is very much this is a passion project that I'll do um, he said but there's no way I'll ever make as much money doing this as I do directing commercials yeah 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 it's um no, no, I think that's absolutely right. I've still got nothing to add there. Um, okay, uh, Tom DJ, he's got a couple of questions. Um, which director? Thank you for yeah. So, sorry. Which we which you thank you for? You're always reliable. Yeah, no, absolutely. And, and Tom is as well, actually. Yeah, uh, Tom is as well, definitely. Yeah. Uh, so Tom and Tom. Uh, okay, which director would you like to see direct a movie way outside their comfort zone? I right. I'd like because. Because there's certain like, directors where, you know, I don't want to see them direct out of their comfort zone. I don't want to see, um, like, Lynch do anything out of his comfort zone because it wouldn't make sense. There'd be no point that you'd lose the essence of something like a Lynch film. Um, you know, and then, you know, I look at who are my kind of, like, favourite directors or directors that I like. And, you know, people like Scorsese, you know, he, he doesn't have a comfort zone, yeah, I don't sure. think. Um, but I'd like to see... Um, Someone like Todd Phillips be given the opportunity to do something like like A Few Good Men, something like that, because film-wise, uh, he, I know he, he did a, a TV uh, thing for HBO, I think it was, um, where he did he did a non-comedy thing, I think. Um, but I'd like to see someone like Todd Phillips because his his films, you know, some parts of the the Hangover films, they are cinematic in the scale of how they look, but I'd like to see, you know, him maybe take on something a little bit, you know, that isn't just full of, you know, profanity, that is more 
weighty and a bit more meaty. Oh, fair play. Um, I'd like to see David Fincher do a massive action film. Ooh, yes. Like a flat, full-on action film. I mean, you could say there are action-y bits to quite a few of his films. Yeah. But if he was to do... Like, I, I, yeah, just a big block, a uh, massive blockbuster. Like, not, um, not a franchise one, but like, like, like a standalone, like, like Heat or something like that. Straight up. Yeah. Oh god, yes, I would watch the shit out of that. Yeah, yeah, man. It, it just, um, yeah, I would be bang up for that. So, uh, there's that. Yeah, uh, definitely that. Um, okay, and um. Tom DJ also asks, what's the most unfortunate performance in a film by a non-actor? Um, oh, Gavin Rossdale in uh, Constantine. Constantine, yeah, sure. Oh, what a tit. Um, I'm trying to think here. Like, I'm sure there are tons. And, like, cameos as well. Um... Yeah, you get the odd odd cameo. Yeah. Fuck, man. The thing is, nothing's coming to mind, which is really embarrassing. It would be, I think, generally, it would be any like, well, a music star starring in a horror film, circa late nineties, early noughties. Kelly Rowland in... Freddy vs. Jason. Freddy vs. Jason. Or, like, Brandy in I Still Know What You Did Last Summer. Yeah, yeah. One or, like um... Where you, where you, you watch it going, it's not going to happen. It's just, you're not going to get a career out of this. Yeah, I mean, like, I wouldn't say it's unfortunate just because it's entertaining in the worst way, but it's like Buster Rhymes and Halloween Resurrection. <laughs> yeah, yeah. But Buster Rhymes was in, um... The film Higher Learning oh, as well. Okay, um, and he's he, he, actually he's not bad in that film. It's a it's a strange film though. Michael Myers, he's like a killer shark. Yeah, yeah. Trick or treat, motherfucker. But then you'd also you could also put into the same category um, Tyra Banks from the same film because of the dancing making a cappuccino thing. Which is literally one of the most uncomfortably terrible scenes in a film I've yeah, ever no, seen. That's, yeah, actually, that's a fair example. But, I'm, yeah. I, I'm gonna have that because that's just none of that makes sense. It's like a weird performance art piece that was never meant to be a weird performance art piece. Yeah. Yeah. I. Oh. Nice. That was a good way to end the show, I think. Oh, we, do, we, we actually did actually have another one from uh, Tom DJ. Oh, God, did we? Bloody hell. Yeah. Hey, what did he say? He gave us, he gave us a, 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 a modern mind control question. Oh, God, did he? Yeah. Um, which child star uh, working now would benefit from a dose of modern mind control? Let's be all honest, it's Justin fucking Bieber. Yeah, actually, the modern mind control would help him out immeasurably. It would. But then again, so would um, a so would a boot to the head, a gun in his face, anything that caused him a lot of pain. A variety of these things would yeah. be good for him. Yeah, it, 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 it's one of those where he's just a horrendous little cunt. Mm. So that's it. 
That is it. Yeah. yeah. Sorry, I was just ruminating on Justin Bieber and kind of forgot that I was hosting, so that was terrible. Um, <laughs> okay, so uh, next week we will be back. Uh, I think we're going to be doing Captain America The Winter Sh- uh, Soldier, which comes out in the UK this next week, comes out in the US cinemas, I think, the week after. I believe the US gets nowhere this week. And we get that the week after, so it's like a weird swappy thing going on. Mm. Um, but yeah, so and, and frankly, I'm I'm looking forward to Captain America. The re- the reviews all seem to be that there's act that, that this film's actually interesting. So um, we, we you know we'll see. It should be a good discussion anyway. Uh, and we'll also have the next part of the uh, when Ian and Mark met Rob uh, Marathon taking on North. Um, I don't know whether he knows it yet, but we're hoping that Noel's going to be on for that. So. Uh, we shall see. Um, I, 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 I'm gonna, yeah. Uh, I, 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 I'm going to actually be with Noel next weekend, uh, not in a sexual way. Yeah, I was gonna uh, say the biblical sense. Or... <laughs> <laughs> I'll be seeing uh, Noel uh, next weekend because we're at uh, the Sci-Fi Weekend. Fuck me, that's next week, is it? Yeah, it's next week. Um, uh, we're not recording so, next weekend then. Uh, well, we we might be recording uh, early on in the week. Right. Okay. I get back. I get back the Sunday. Uh, Fair enough. Um, but yeah, but I'll be taking uh, my Kindle HD Fire with um, with North on it. Oh my God, right, fair enough. So there's a possibility I may end up watching it uh, in a cabin um, in the rain with North and maybe a few other people with a few beers. Nice. Nice. Okay, cool. So, um, right, that's going to do it for this week's show. So, um, next week's show might be up a little bit late then, I suppose. Um, but yeah, that's it for this week's show. So, at, uh, Dude and a Monkey, at Dude Files, at Ian Loring, Dude and a Monkey at gmail.com. And Mark, have you got anything else to say today? No, oh, thank you very much for listening. Uh, and we'll, we'll, we'll speak to you next week. All right, then. Cheers, guys. Bye bye.